0: evening. Thank you so much for joining us tonight at Little Hills Church. It's wonderful to have you here, and it's wonderful to be here. My name is Kathy Landis, and I have the pleasure of reading to you the chapter reading tonight from Habakkuk, chapter 3, verses 1 to 19. Please listen to the word of the Lord. A prayer of Habakkuk the prophet on Shittonoth. Lord, I have heard of your fame. I stand in awe of your deeds, O Lord. Renew them in our day. In our time, make them known. In wrath, remember mercy. God came from Taman, the Holy One from Mount Paran. Selah. His glory covered the heavens, and his praise filled the earth. His splendor was like the sunrise, Rays flashed from his hand where his power was hidden. Plague went before him. Pestilence followed his steps. He stood and shook the earth. He looked and made the nations tremble. The ancient mountains crumbled and the age-old hills collapsed. His ways are eternal. I saw the tents of Kushan in distress and the dwellings of Midian in anguish. Were you angry with the rivers, O oh Lord? Was your wrath against the strains? Did you rage against the sea when you rode with your horses in your victorious chariots? You uncovered your bow. You called for many arrows. Selah. You split the earth with rivers. The mountains saw you and writhed. Torrents of water swept by. The deep roared and lifted its waves on high. Sun and moon stood still in the heavens, at the glint of your flying arrows, at the lightning of your flashing spear. In wrath you strode through the earth, and in anger you thrust the nations. You came out to deliver your people, to save your anointed one, You crushed the leader of the land of wickedness. You stripped him from head to foot. Selah. With his own spear, you pierced his head when his warriors stormed out to scatter us, gloating as though about to devour the wretched who were in hiding. You trampled the sea with your horses, churning the great waters. I heard, and my heart pounded, My lips quivered at the sound. Decay crept into my bones and my legs trembled. Yet I will wait patiently for the day of calamity to come on the nation invading us. Though the fig tree does not bud and there are no grapes on the vine, though the olive crops fail and the field produces no food, though there are no sheep in the pen, And no cattle in the stalls, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will be joyful in God my Savior. The Sovereign Lord is my strength. He makes my feet like the feet of a deer. He enables me to go on the heights. For the director of music, oh my stringed instruments. The word of the Lord.
1: we've been through a journey these last weeks as we've been thinking about the prophet Habakkuk. We've looked at him struggling with why injustice is happening amidst his own people, then why God's going to use someone who's unjust to bring justice to those people, to to rebuke them for what they've done. And then we've come to this song that we've been in the last three weeks that that is a song of praise to god in the midst of all this and, and I'm, I'm thankful kathy read the whole thing to help us keep the the bigger picture in in mind as we're going through the last part of it tonight uh, kathy and jeff aren't here tonight jeff has been struggling with some kind of fever and so forth thankfully it's been negative on the COVID test but in any case would you please keep them in your prayers they they're staying away just as an abundance of caution to keep all of us healthy and we're We're appreciative of that, but we're looking forward to having them back next week for our new series. But before we jump into new series, we need to wrap up Habakkuk, and we need to see where we land here, because we've we've been wrestling with these questions that we wanted to ask God, that Habakkuk asks God, and as we come to the end, Habakkuk helps us to think, what does it look like for me to live in the uncertainty of life in a way that recognizes who God is in my life? And that's a lot easier to do intellectually than it is to do in practice. But in the conclusion of this song that he writes, this psalm that he writes to close out his book, it helps to direct our thoughts. helps to direct us towards our God. And so let's come before our God, ask for his help, and then dig into his word. Let's pray. Father, so often we we turn to our own strength. We turn to the strength of others around us. We turn to the strength of the powers of the world. And as we sang a while earlier tonight, those things didn't fill us. Those treasures fade. But Lord, you are the one who takes dry bones and turns them to life. You are the one that holds us fast. And Father, as we turn to your word tonight, by the power of your Holy Spirit, we pray that you would guide us, that you would help us to to see your truth, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. The last few years have been interesting, haven't they? Interesting, yes. yeah. Uh, one of the things that's become popular over the last few years are, are the the year bingo cards. You see these on social media all the time, right? Uh, disaster bingo. Anyone like to play it? Uh, 2020 bingo card. You, we had all kinds of interesting things on it. Then 2021. Here's 2022. Um, let's see if I can get bingo here. Let's see. Uh, we have a Taiwan invaded block, um, not yet, thankfully. A Ukraine invaded, we do have have that one. Uh, tech bubble bursts, U.S. recession, kind of teetering there. Um, MLB misses part or all of season. Well, we missed part of it, or, you know, it took a while, it started late, so we have that. Uh, Bitcoin falls under $30,000, yeah, okay. So... You know, we can start ch- checking these off, and part of the reason these became popular is people put on things that seemed semi-ridiculous, and then they happen. It feels a little uncertain, right? Uh, like, um, what do we have here? Uh, COVID variants run out of Greek letters. Well, mm, I think it's possible. Woolly Mammoth successfully cloned. Well, we, we, we've seen the Jurassic Park movies. We know how things like that go, right? Um, but you know, it might happen. Uh, life Discovered on Mars. It goes on, but you kind of think, well, a- after the last few years, who knows, right? Feel a little less certain than we used to feel. You know, our our bingo card in the mid-2010s would have been rather boring in comparison. Stock market goes up. Someone gets elected. Uh, tech companies increase in value. You know, things like that. Things, you know, they, they didn't seem notable because they always happen, and, and so we, we think we can count on them, Everything's just moving forward. New medical discoveries take care of diseases, not more diseases emerge that we don't know what to do with. But here we are, and we, we make out these disaster bingo cards, and we kind of nervously laugh when someone posts, Oh, I didn't see that on my bingo card for this year. Because that means that even more uncertainty is happening. Our strength fails. And that's what we've been thinking about through much of Habakkuk what happens when our strength fails and it starts in chapter one Habakkuk is saying God there's a problem here we're we're supposed to trust in you and yet we've been trusting in ourselves and we've been mistreating the people around us and it seems like what we're supposed to be your people but our ability to do that seems to be failing and then God reveals well I'm going to solve that by sending in an invading army Habakkuk says, "Well, then our strength is really going to fail because that army—they don't love you, Lord. They don't even sort of acknowledge you. They—they're opposed to you. They mock you. How, how's that going to work?" God calls Habakkuk to wait and to trust. And that's what we've thought a lot about. It—it it centers perhaps most of all in that—that that wonderful heart of the book, uh, verse. Four of Chapter Two, that the righteous shall live by faith, this call to to live and trust in God and, and to receive his righteousness that that beautiful picture of the Gospel we find right here nestled in the Old Testament, but our strength fails and, and and Jim helped us to to be thinking about that last week as he he was talking about the invading armies and what God does to them, and these things that look powerful. And let's just review the very last part of where Jim took us last week. Verse 16. I hear, Habakkuk writes, and my body trembles. My lips quiver at the sound. Rottenness enters into my bones. My legs tremble beneath me. Yet I will quietly wait for the day of trouble to come upon people who invade us. Then he goes on, and this is where we're starting for this week. Though the fig tree should not blossom, nor fruit beyond the vines the produce of the olive fail and the fields yield no food the flock be cut off from the fold and there be no herd in the stalls so we have the the military stuff that that was in the passage that, that Jim was working us through last week and helping us to apply and we we've seen that the reflection on the exodus and, and how God has overcome armies in the past but then Habakkuk takes it up a notch. He says, "Okay, there's not only people on the outside that want to kill us and destroy us, but everything's failing on the inside too because he he lists these things and and maybe to us I don't know, maybe you have a garden and you grow some tomatoes or or peppers or tomatoes or pumpkins or something, but but what's the worst that happens to us if if our our tomato plants fail? You get all those tomato worms, right? Yeah, Jim what got to buy tomatoes and and they don't taste as good right and and we had the sad trombone play and, and it's ah yeah it's not as good but we don't starve we very few of us are growing food because if that food doesn't come through we're going to starve but what Habakkuk is referring to here is the picture for an agrarian society this is a society that depends on the food they raise to live off of and so if the fig tree does not blossom and the fruit on the vines does not produce and, and the fields yield no food and the flock be cut off and, the, and the, there's no herd in the stall, what's he saying? He's saying, in other words, in, in our own situation, if you get laid off and everything that you thought you could do, all, all the side jobs you thought you could fill in, if you ever lost your job, all those fall out. You, you thought, well, maybe you could Uber and your phone dies, and and your boss calls every other business you could go to with your trade and tells them not to hire you, then what are you going to do? What are you going to do when it actually means, am I going to have food on my plate? When all the social safety nets we've constructed in, in modern Western culture Fail as well, and you can't say, "Well, okay, if I lose my job, I'll, I'll file for unemployment and I'll get food stamps." No, those are gone too. What happens when everything we count on fails? So that's what they're going to possibly face. You have an invading army, but but there there are all those other things to fix. If there's a if there's a plague, if you have a drought that that starts to kill the crops and. and and, and, or you have insects come in, you have the locusts come in and they devour everything and there, there's not even anything to feed your livestock and your livestock die, Wh- what do you do then? That's the picture that he wants us to, that's where he wants us to be situated. What happens when our livelihood fails? Not, not just our, our, our little vegetable garden, but what happens when everything we count on to allow us not just to, to have a comfortable life, or a life with really tasty, fresh produce. But what happens when the things that keep us alive fail? Then what? We don't like to think about that, do we? And if, if we have those experiences in our lives where there's been a time where, where our livelihood, the things that we count on, that we, this is what I, I've, I'm gifted to do, this is what I'm supposed to do, when those things come tumbling down, we don't, we really, we don't want to think about that happening and if it's happened, we don't like to go back and think about it again. I was reflecting this week on on a job I had a number of years ago. I I loved this job. I, I thought I was gonna stay there the rest of my life. I, I really did. People ask me, well, don't you wanna move up to something else? Don't you see you doing this or that? Don't, wouldn't you like to someday, I had, had a guy, he, he was way overly enthusiastic about me, he said, wouldn't you like it someday if God calls you to be a pastor of a mega church instead of what you're doing right now? And I, I said, no, I, I, this is where I want to be. I I want to retire here. And then one day, my, my supervisor uh, called me up to his office, and he said, there was something I was scheduled to do. He said, I'm not going to have you do that uh, You do a great job when you do that, but I'm not going to have you do that. And I said, okay, that's fine. And I went back to my office and I thought, that seems odd. And so I wrote to him and I said, do you have any concerns or is there something wrong? You know, I'd like to know. He said, see me in my office tomorrow. Uh, Have you ever had that sinking feeling? And so I go back to his office and everything seemed to be going well. Everything seemed to be together. And he said... We've decided to go in a different direction. We're not going to renew your contract. Know that feeling? It doesn't feel very good, does it? Habakkuk's saying, when your contract isn't renewed, when you're given a pink slip, when, when security comes up and, and give, hands you a box and says, clear out your desk, then what are you going to do? Where are you going to go then? Now What? We think we have it all ordered. We think we know how everything comes together. And, and we're saying even, uh, you know, I, if you'd asked me, well, do you trust in your job or do you trust in God? I would have said, well, I trust in God. But God's the one that put me in this job, so I'm trusting in this job because I'm trusting in God. Then it's gone. You say, now what? What we're being challenged about out here is what, do we genuinely trust in what's the foundation that we're building our lives upon because not that these things that we trust in are bad in and of themselves a job's a good thing if you're a farmer and you have fields out there that produce food every year and you're looking forward to it you're anticipating it you're planning based on it that's not a bad thing either those are good things you ever heard of of cattle And they come in every day and you milk them and you produce cheese and sell fresh milk or you have chickens and you sell eggs or if if you go to work every day and you punch your time card and it feels good because you know that it's all coming together, those aren't bad things. If we take what we do earn and we go buy a car or a house and and we think, well, this house is going to keep me safe when it's really hot outside, I have air conditioning, this car is going to get me to and from work and to church and to... To wherever I need to take my family, these these aren't bad things. But where do I trust? Habakkuk isn't saying that that the fig tree or or the vine or or the field or the flock are bad, but they're not where my trust is. But here here's the challenge for us: we can feel those things, we can touch those things, whatever things we have, whatever possessions we have, whatever activities we do whatever work we do we, they're tangible we can hold on to them easily and, and it, so it feels in the moment like here is something i can grasp onto and trust there's all this uncertainty i have my bingo card it's coming together this year really really well i can't trust a lot of things but there are some things here i can trust and we desperately want that we look around and we look in our own lives and we realize that those things come crashing down so where is my foundation and we say we if you trust in jesus then the answer is the old joke about sunday school right the right answer is always jesus and it is the right answer here we should trust in jesus but we say but how do i know that god's not going to fail me too how do i know that he is actually going to come through and we read the book of habakkuk and we say and you look i mean god allows invading armies to come and take away his people how do i know that god's going to be there for me when when things come crashing down that's what this psalm that habakkuk writes is so important in helping us to think about and it's what what we've been thinking about the last few weeks What, what jim was so helpful in in bringing out last week as we were going through the middle of this song we look to god and, and we see a god who's been demonstrated over history as faithful and, and even as he allows the the invaders to come he is faithful the, the other gods that, that jim talked about you, you they're not faithful they're they're carved idols they're, they're not going to do anything we make an awful lot of idols today. We don't call them idols. But those things we trust in are just as idolatrous because we think that they're the thing that's going to provide us security. And, and if you think about the Israelites, why do they keep going back to idols? They had the God of the universe, the God that had taken them with his outstretched arm and his mighty hand. he He taken them out of Egypt, one of the most powerful nations seen up to that point in history. He'd taken them out and just completely vanquished the enemy. Their chariots were at the bottom of the sea. Why would they turn to a golden calf? Because they could feel it. They could touch it. They could see it. Ah, here's something. It's not just, yeah, the God of the universe says he's there, but I can actually go up to this idol and I can put an offering before him and know that there's a thing there. Maybe God will fail me. Maybe he'll forget me. Maybe he'll vanish. Who knows about this Moses guy? What does he know? Who knows about the pastors we hear today? Who knows about the online Bible study leaders we hear today? Who knows about the, the Christian authors we read about today? Are they just peddling something? But what this song challenges us to do is to not only recognize that everything else we trust in is an idol that's going to fail us, but that we can authenticate through God's word that God won't. That he is faithful. It's like the last few weeks, and, and I kind of hesitate. No offense, if we have anyone tuning in online who's a meteorologist, but I kind of hesitate to compare God and meteorology because, uh, well, <laughs> we're in trouble <laughs> if if, if uh, meteorologists are an analogy for God. Most of the time, right? We we we're used to complaining. I I do this a lot. Do you ever complain? You you. You 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 listen on, on television at night to the local meteorologist. You go online and you check the weather, pull out our phones. We, I, I do this multiple times a day, and then I forget, and then I do it again. But I pull it out and say, okay, let's see here. Uh, let's see, there's 16% chance of rain today, but there's 52% chance tomorrow. There's an umbrella pictured here. It's going to rain. Now, if I get to tomorrow and it doesn't rain, I'm going to say, ah, oh, they're wrong again, Right? Now what happens though? Sometimes the weather seems to be where they, they can't really understand it. God, if he wished to reveal a weather forecast to us, it'd be right. But, but, but even the best local meteorologist, even listening to Dave Murray, I, I love Dave Murray, but even listening to him, he's going to be wrong a lot of the time. But then you get into these weather patterns that are a little bit more cyclical and it seems really a little bit more reliable the last few weeks as weird as our weather's been it seems to be that they're nailing it a lot where we're hearing yeah there's going to be just utterly torrential downpour and I- i'm waiting for the day that the st louis arch is floating down the river i mean we're getting just tons of rain and what happens when that happens it, when, I, when it starts to be that they're predicting more accurately they're saying it's going to rain cats and dogs tomorrow and i see a whole humane society washing down past me I start to think, well, maybe what they say the next day is going to be true too. They have a mixed record, but at least I'll start to say, well, maybe at this moment they're getting it. Well, here's the wonderful thing, friends, about God. God doesn't have a mixed record. God always does what he says. And so when we see here a reminder of what he's done in the past and what he promises for us in the future, it's like those moments that we start to think the meteorologists have figured it out. Only we're not thinking maybe he started to figure it out. We know that God has figured it out because he's actually the author of history. And so we can trust and, and, and we can rejoice even as bad things are coming. One of the things that's sort of remarkable about bad weather is that when they get it right, I wouldn't say I rejoice, but I start to think I'm going to listen to this guy more. I'm going to listen to this, this gal more because it seems like there's something to what he or she's saying. How much more so with god because when we see that god has said this is what's going to happen and it happens we're not led to just say oh maybe i should listen to them more we're led as we see habakkuk do to praise to joy habakkuk says an invading army is going to wipe out the nation habakkuk i'm going to preserve a, a remnant i'm not going to get rid of you for all time but an invading army is going to come and what does habakkuk do he rejoices in god And that sounds really strange until you realize what he's doing. He's saying, but I know how God is. And so, yes, he says this army is coming, but I know that he's good and he's faithful to his promises. And so even as I see that storm arrive, when it arrives, I also know what's going to come after it because God's going to be faithful for that too. Verse 18. Yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will take joy in the God of my salvation. God the Lord is my strength. He makes my feet like the deer's. He makes me tread on my high places. I love what one of the commentators, Baker, says in reflecting on this. He says, even though these sources might fail in some way, the psalmist sees that ultimately his existence is not based on them, but upon their source, Yahweh. When we have that job we think that God has led us to it, and we're putting our trust in that, what we should be doing is putting our trust more and more in God, saying how wonderful it is that he allows me to use the gifts and the abilities that he's given me in this moment. How wonderful that is, but I'm not, rejo- I'm not putting my trust in that. I'm putting my trust in the God who's given me that. When he allows us to, to peaceably assemble as a people and worship Praise God that he does. When he does that, we don't put our trust in our government and how wonderful it is that, that we have a constitution that enshrines religious freedom. We put our trust in God who has in his infinite wisdom allowed us in this moment to be in a place where we can do that. When we go home, and I hope when you go home, you walk into a house that's air-conditioned and comfortable in this heat. We don't put our trust in the air conditioner or in the structure of that house. We put our trust and the God who has given it. And there's a key thing that happens when we do that. When the next bad storm comes and your house floods or a tornado hits or some other horrible thing happens or you you lose your job and you can't make the mortgage payment on that house, the thing that we trust in, the one that we trust in, is still there. The people of Israel are, are about to get the worst pink slip ever. They're going to be exiled to a foreign land. They're going to be carried off as prisoners. Their bingo card of disasters is full. But Habakkuk can say, but I can rejoice in that moment. I can rejoice because it's not the nation of Israel existing that is where my trust is. It's not in God's blessing of that nation or or of my fields or my flocks. Than God Himself. He says He's going to be there. That the righteous will live by faith. He knows that promise. And so when the invading army comes, it's not something that makes him feel all the more like God is distant and untrustworthy. Rather, because God said it's going to come, it's an authentication that God actually does what He says. And so even when disaster comes, and God tells us that disaster will come, if we read His word, we don't see promises that the Christian life is going to be easy. We see quite the opposite. We see that the world will hate us. We see that disaster will come plague and pestilence and armies. We see bad things will happen. But that shouldn't turn us away from our God. It should turn us towards our God because as those things happen, His Word is shown to be true. And that's the wonderful thing because those things aren't wonderful, but the promises He gives us for all eternity are wonderful. And so if what He says about the bad things of life are true, how wonderful is that I remember teaching world religions years ago to college students I, I was a, a professor for a number of years and, and and I would say to them we we'd look at a number of different world religions and lots, lots of the students were really interested in Buddhism it feels kind of trendy to, to chase after Buddhism and it also, you know, you, you're kind of in that college angsty phase and you say, well, th- there's so much suffering in the world and, and the Buddha talked about how this, everything's suffering. And I'd say, if I didn't believe that there was a God, then this would make an awful lot of sense. Because there is an awful lot of suffering in the world. And, and there's lots of optimistic philosophy that excludes God in the world that says, well, we're just going to become better. W- human beings are, are evolving into a better state and all this stuff. And we look into the world and it's clearly not true you say, something that says, yeah, there's going to be suffering in the world? Yeah, that sounds really true. And this is what I then say to my students. Here's why I'm a Christian. They knew I was a Christian pastor. I said, because I I believe that statement, that in this world, if all we're looking to is this world and what this world can do for us, yeah, it's absolutely going to be an experience of suffering. And this is a point where Christianity actually agrees with that. All these other philosophies you hear or the distortions of the gospel that say that that Christianity is really about how you're going to be healthy and wealthy and wise and wonderful and everything's going to be great. If you look at that, it doesn't ring true. It doesn't actually hit what we see in the world. And so I see why the people then say, well, maybe I need to go and look for something else because it doesn't actually seem true. But if we actually look at what God's word says and we see what God says is true, what do we see? We see, yes, there's suffering in this world, but we see an answer to it. Why do our hearts want something more than just to be told that there's suffering until we die, like what Buddhism says? Because God didn't make us to stop there. And the Bible uh, agrees up to that point, yes, there's suffering in this world, but there's a God who will fix it. That's the crucial difference that genuine Christianity brings into the picture. It authenticates with what we experience in the world that there's suffering and there's pain and there's death. But it says that's not the final word. And that's what's unique when we turn to, to the hope of the gospel. All those things we experience, yeah, they're true. All the things that cause people to go into existentialism and other uh, philosophies of this world that say, uh, you know, it's just meaningless, they're hitting on something that's real and, and we do a disservice as Christians when we pretend that that's not the case and we just try to pretend everything's great. But Habakkuk's joy here isn't a joy that's trying to pretend everything's great, everything's smooth. No. Habakkuk's rejoicing because everything isn't smooth, but God is faithful in what he says. The others rejoice in themselves. We often rejoice in themselves, just like we saw in the Babylonian army in in verse 15 of chapter 1. When we hear about their triumphant army that's going to come and take away the people of God, Habakkuk writes, he brings all of them up with a hook. This is the Babylonian invader. He drags them out with his net. He gathers them in his dragnet, so he rejoices and is glad. What does he rejoice in? He's rejoicing in his own strength. Wow, look at me. I can conquer. I am strong. But you know what? That Babylonian soldier that was rejoicing in his own strength died. Every single one of those Babylonian soldiers is dead. And it doesn't seem like very good rejoicing. Habakkuk is rejoicing for a different reason. He's rejoicing in one who's alive. And so this past power that we've seen from God, even the present power of the moment for Habakkuk, of the coming invading army that's going to come roaring in, is all reflecting on a God who is always faithful and true. So we can have confidence, not because everything's going to go smoothly. What what tells us that we have confidence in God is not the smoothness of life. But in the brokenness of life, that God is there with us. And so he can say, the, God, the Lord is my strength. Now all those things are about to be taken away from all of us. And in that he can say, not only do I know that God is my strength, but I can really genuinely rejoice in it. He makes <clears throat> my feet like the deer's. He's, he can, his hope can frolic Because he's not merely surviving. And and neither do we have to merely survive as Christians. Not because everything's easy, but because we know that God is triumphant. God the Lord is my strength. Not abstract strength. Habakkuk says my strength. He knows God. He knows who God is. He knows God's faithfulness. And, And so... He can say, he's my strength. So I'm frolicking as part of the dear of the Lord because he's with me. Do I, do I know God like that? Do you know God like that? Do you know God in such a way that when things are going wrong, you can say, but God is my strength. Not God is strength and I know I should be trusting him, but do you actually feel that strength is yours because he gives it to you? he's with you it's funny how quickly the things that look so strong can be taken away i I, I think many of us from from very very early on in life when we start to learn world history are probably fascinated by pompeii i saw a new headline about discoveries in pompeii this week and uh, here's a, a depiction obviously we didn't have photographs and movies back when the volcanic eruption happened but but you have this, this Roman city with lots of wealth, and, and also the interesting thing, you, you have the, really, the pictures of the great statues and so on, but one of the interesting things that they found in archaeology this week were middle-class Roman citizens living in Pompeii. You know, normal, everyday people that weren't overly wealthy, but they had a house, and they were going about their normal lives. Like many of us, comparatively, probably everyone almost in the United States would be considered middle-class compared to that time period very much like what we have, and, and and so maybe they didn't have everything, but they could look at the wealthy, and they looked like the, everything was stable up there, and they looked at the Roman government, everything looked stable, until that day that volcano blew up, and they were gone. One of the archaeological finds they found in this this most recently published set of finds was a, a, a chest, and it, it had the things that this one household treasured in it. It had some plates, and it had a little, a little idol that was a an uh, uh, idol of Zeus that was depicting a particular moment in Greek mythology, and, and, and some other things, things that they presumably deeply treasured, they put in this chest. This meant something to them. These were the things they were counting on in life that were there, that were worth keeping and protecting. They were crushed by the, the molten lava like everything else. That chest that looked so strong was broken by superheated rock coming down upon them. What are we trusting in that could go away? What do I really know? Do I know my own strength? Do I know the strength of the things I acquired? Do I know the strength of the people around me? Or do I, like Habakkuk, say, the Lord is my strength? Because, friends, there are going to be a lot of times we can't genuinely rejoice in our circumstance, in our experience of the moment. But if we see God as our strength, if we see Him as our foundation, we, we turn to the wrong foundations all the time, but if we see Him as our foundation, we're trusting in the foundation that is always trustworthy. It's always true. And if we're on that, even as everything's burning down around us in a given moment, we know it won't always. It won't always. We can trust in one who, even if a volcano erupts in the middle of St. Charles tomorrow, won't be surprised by it. And if our trust is in, it, is, is in him and not in our land, we will still experience victory even in that. How wonderful that is. And so it is that Habakkuk, as he has all this dark and gloomy prophecy that we've looked at in this book ends on a note of rejoicing and it's not just a a passing thing the very last phrase in the book is to the choir master with stringed instruments this is a song meant to be sung over and over again and may we continue to sing such songs of god's redemption that his victory is sure even when our circumstance isn't he is the foundation we can always trust and always will be able to trust let's pray Lord, we come before you tonight, and there's uncertainty all around. it. I would imagine everyone in this room, everyone watching online, all of us have those points where, where we don't know what's going on, and we don't know how the pieces come together. We don't, now we get to tomorrow or next week, we don't know how we're going to, to do the job that's assigned to us this week, or pay the bills, or or take care of the the needs of those around us. We don't know how these things are going to happen. Sometimes it just seems to crash down and and everything seems to come apart. But Lord, whether this is the first time we've ever come before you or, or come before you each day, would you remind us that our strength is not in ourselves or in any of those things that appear mighty in this world, but our strength is in you. And as we are called to live by faith and to trust in our Savior Jesus that indeed you are faithful and that even the destruction and the pain that you predict in this world that you have said will come tells us that you are faithful and therefore we know with confidence that you are faithful to see things through to the end when you bring us into your presence and wipe away our tears. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.